Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel and the podcast. Today, I'm going to be breaking down the Sunday night or the Monday night football showdown sleep between the Minnesota Vikings and the Seattle Seahawks. A pretty big, uh, pretty big NFC showdown here, really going to have playoff implications. You have the Vikings chasing the Packers who won, and, and really if they win, they'll be sliding back into the first place of that division, and they'll be in a spot where you know they can potentially control their own destiny if they can beat the Packers later in the season. Seattle's still trying to hang on in there for a first round by competing with the likes of the San Francisco 49ers and more so the New Orleans Saints who they lost to earlier this year in Teddy Bridgewater. So interesting game, a nice game, right? We had a nice AFC Sunday night football game as well. This one following it up for the NFC, nice Sunday, Monday night football primetime games. We don't usually get that. So a couple hundred thousand dollars to first once again, before we get into it, hit the subscribe button. Really do appreciate it. Saw on the numbers that it was like 54% of viewers don't subscribe. I imagine it's just a high number usually anyways, right? People watching on the go, people just stopping in, don't usually watch me often, maybe only watch a couple times month but if you are watching right now and you are catching this and you're not subscribed i know it might not mean a ton to you but if you hit that subscribe button it does help me out as an independent creator a lot uh, totally free to do also on the audio version you can do the same thing subscribe five star rate and review over there i have exclusive content linked down below on patreon for the nba and the nfl we'll be having content over there as well for uh, golf later and, and when the season starts off next year so that content includes a ton of stuff all laid out down below follow me on my social medias at salvetri dfs on twitter salvetri on instagram where i release some exclusive content via instagram stories for only people on instagram so those are all the plugs again you can subscribe to the channel uh, in the bottom right hand corner wherever that is on the screen right here somewhere uh, it's a little pop-up you can hit that button and it does help me out going for seventeen thousand subscribers potentially over the next week week and a half so slate here uh, honestly it's a small player pool for me i think these teams have very condensed players that they use i think the salaries make it so that i don't really want to get to some players um at least pretty obviously i have 13 players in a player pool if i was to enter like 150 usually i say okay well you, you should get maybe to like 18 20 i don't even think i would get that on this slate there's just a lot of guys that i have no interest in getting to i think that these 13 players i would probably get to 15 16 if i was entering 150 tonight and that seems low maybe 17 that seems low but you're going to see there's just not a lot of guys that, in my opinion, are viable. Surely somebody can catch the one-yard touchdown pass at the $200 price tag, but those are no longer really needed to win a tournament. They can get you there, but it's not an automatic shoe-in if, I mean, maybe if it's a touchdown, but a guy catches two balls for 40 yards at $200, two balls for 30 yards. Uh, those five points might not even be enough to kind of win a tournament for you if he's barely owned. You have to have a lot of other things still go right. So going through my yeses to start, there's four of them, and then there's, again, 13 players right now in this player pool. If you're entering like one to five lineups, this is the way that I'll be approaching it. If you're going to enter 150, maybe throw in both defenses um, just to kind of get some of that variance in there, and maybe throw in another guy that's in the nose, but probably nobody for me. Starting off the top, in no specific ranking order, these guys that are yeses, I don't like Stefan Diggs because he's the first name I say more, it's just that's the way that it is um, in terms of when I filter this player pool on Google Sheets, but Stefan Diggs will likely see a lot of Trey Flowers, so here's how Seattle plays. They play Trey Flowers 96% of the time on the right side of the field, and Shaq Griffin 96% of the time on the left side of the field. These guys are pretty much staying on one side of the field, they don't travel with wide receivers, so Shaq Griffin has been by far the better cornerback for Seattle this year, one of the better ones in the league, best one on Seattle, so he's going to stay on the left side of the field you would imagine that Stefan Diggs they just easily move Stefan Diggs to the right side of the field he moves around most games anyways move into the slot a ton and you get a really nice matchup for Stefan Diggs 
not having to see a lot of Shaq Griffin and having a very good matchup against Trey Flowers. Flowers, who has given up 43 receptions this season, 569 yards and two touchdowns. It's a nice spot for Diggs at 9,800. Seems a little bit steep. Adam Thielen, once again, will be out for this one. So I think it's a fair price point to be paying. Next, yes, $7,600 DK Metcalf. Look, Metcalf's likely to see Xavier Rhodes. Based on where Rhodes lines up on the outside, based on the fact that for the most part, DK Metcalf is going to play 99 to 100% of the snaps in this one on the left side. Xavier Rhodes this season has been awful. 47 receptions allowed for 526 yards and three touchdowns, 124.6 pass rating against. He's allowing 4.8 receptions per game and 47.8 yards per game in coverage this season. That's terrible for an individual player in a defense. Metcalf has 6.4 targets per game. And he's seeing over one red zone target per game, which is very good. 12 red zone targets per game is top 10 in the league amongst all wide receivers. And the good news for Metcalf, he just doesn't leave the field. I like the price point for, on him here. I'm hoping he comes in relatively low ownership for a showdown slate. Next up, Jacob Hollister, $4,800. Look, Hollister took over three weeks ago as the tight end on this team. Um, once Will Disley de- went down and pretty much Luke Wilson wasn't doing anything, they said, you know what, Jacob Hollister, let's see what you got. 30.3 routes run per game since taking over. That is elite status. 30.3 routes run per game for a tight end is very elite. He's over that time seen 20 targets, 6.7 per week. That is elite for a tight end. 14 receptions for 121 yards and three touchdowns. He had the two touchdown game in his first game as in a, in a primary tight end role against Tampa Bay three weeks ago, or actually four weeks ago because they had a bye week. It's without a doubt a difficult matchup downfield where he'll see a lot of Harrison Smith, but he's also going to be schemed for shorter passes. If he was to see six targets in this game, six to seven, right around his average, what he's seen, 6.7 per game over the last three weeks, um, you probably get four of those, if not five, the majority of them not being downfield to where Harrison Smith is 10 to 15 yards down the field if it is man coverage. So yeah, I think Hollister at 4,800 is one of the more properly and in, in maybe below average or, or underpriced is a better word. Uh, players on the slate he's barely above some of these kickers and i think that's nice the next guy up is also a tight end irv smith jr is 3600 he's also priced below the kickers or at least in the same range he's below them whereas hollister is slightly above them but this is a guy riding on the season 18.2 routes per week so not great compared to hollister's but if you take out just the last six weeks he's running closer to the mid-20s in routes per week around 22 to 23 and look he's solid producing he's producing solidly so far over the last five weeks since he's kind of taken on more of a role in this offense four receptions per game for three 33.6 yards so that is 7.6 fantasy points per week which is about around where the kicker is going to project out to for most games seven to eight he just happens to be cheaper than a kicker and obviously like he did last time out his first career touchdown if he scores a touchdown well then he's obviously going to blow kickers out of the water with a 13 plus point performance so it's a difficult matchup for him as well downfield some good cover safeties in this matchup harrison smith of course many people know him but quadre Diggs, the former lion who is now in the seahawks this season after being traded earlier in the year, it's a minus 13% advantage for Irv Smith. Now, you might be saying, well, Sal, and he's, I'll mention him now because I just mentioned Irv Smith. I don't have an interest in Kyle Rudolph. Oddly enough, Rudolph is priced at 6600 He's only running 22.8 routes per week. Over the last five weeks, uh, Irv Smith Jr. and you have Kyle Rudolph running the same amount of routes. So you're essentially playing $3,000 more for Kyle Rudolph, who surely might have similar, if not a little bit more, due to experience, red zone upside. But it's not by much. It's not a $3,000 difference. So I'm not paying $6,600 for Kyle Rudolph when he is basically the same player as Irv Smith Jr. out there for $3,000 less. So my four yeses are Stefan Diggs, DK Metcalf, Irv Smith Jr., and Jacob Hollister. Uh, I then have maybes. Dalvin Cook, the most expensive player on the slate, 11800 It's a neutral run blocking advantage for Seattle. They rank 11th in rush defense. They continue to get worse due to some injuries, and they are bottom 10 in tackling. 24.4 opportunities per game is hard to ignore on a one-game slate as a three-point 
underdog, which is a little concerning, but he has that passing game role as well. Look, Dalvin Cook's going to see 20 plus touches in this game more times than not at the bare minimum 18. I'm projecting him for 20 and a half. So he's in play. He's a steep price point. I really don't prioritize him on this slate. Otherwise he'd be a yes for me, but I still think he's surely in play. Russell Wilson. It's really difficult to decide which quarterback I would want to go to on this slate. Now you might be saying, well, $1,800 more. Russell Wilson is a little bit expensive, but clearly he has the mobility. He surely does. He's averaging only 32 pass attempts per game, but he's usually a guy who relies on efficiency and not volume but it's just a terrible matchup against the defensive line of Minnesota. A minus 14% pass blocking advantage the Seattle offensive line is going to have. So they're expecting it to be 14% worse than it usually is. You can just use that number as a a, going to be decently worse. Usually around average is just 0%, right? If it's a neutral matchup. So not a great spot. Minnesota ranks seventh in coverage so far this season, mainly due to a lot of zone play because in man-to-man, I mean, Trey uh, Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes have been terrible on the outside. But they rank 7th in man coverage, or 7th in coverage overall, a lot of that being zone where they excel, and 10th in pressure rate. So Russell Wilson, if you get to him at 10800 because you have the money, and you're still leaving some money left over, so you, you have a chance to be different on these showdown slates, right? A lot of the times I'll have at least $1,000 left over in a lot of my lineups just to be different um, and not try and split if I do win. Because uh, if you have no money left over in a showdown slate, you might as well just throw your money out before you start because you're, you're playing for a much lower prize pool in a crazy, crazy, crazy um, low upside tournament to win. So if you actually bank it uh, or have an opportunity to bank it and you're entering your lineups, you're minus EV in my opinion. If you're entering salaries or lineups that have $50,000 left over, I would set your maximum salary used um, to like 49500 like the highest for these types of slates in my opinion. Uh, so Wilson is in play, of course, as always. There is some mobility there. Uh, he's just not a priority. Like I think I prefer Kirk Cousins more, which on a primetime game is, is horrifying and scary, but he's a three-point road underdog. Not great going into Seattle for Cousins. It just has written all over the blow-up spot for him. But he's been solid this year. Only three three interceptions this season. Really good over the last six to eight weeks. You keep seeing the stat, how he's up there leading in uh, yards per attempt this season. You have him facing a 27th ranked pressure rate pass rush. Jadavian Cloudy continues to be injured. 16th in coverage Seahawks, and it continues to drop. Seattle, Seattle allows the six most yards per game to quarterbacks at 282.6. The price point's fair on this type of a slate. The only um, The only... Issue is the style of offense. Cousins might only throw 28 times, right? If this game stays close, Cousins on the road, maybe just don't have him ruin the game for you, right? Uh, only... I would only play one of Cook or Cousins. I wouldn't play both Cooks and, uh, Cook and Cousins. Um, I don't think you have the upside of rostering both of those guys for over 20,000, 20,800 to be exact, and both of those game scripts for Cook on the ground and Cousins to work out. Now, there is a there is a world where they get down and, and Cook catches like five balls for 50 yards and a touchdown. That's possible. So if you do get there, I don't think it's the worst. I'm just personally probably not going to be doing it. Um, I probably lean to get more Dalvin Cook than Kirk Cousins. So... Um, yeah, it's really difficult to even try and get to like Cook and Wilson anyways. Uh, so I think that if I if I get to Dalvin Cook, there's a real chance that maybe you force in some Russell Wilson. There is some value on the slate. We talked about the tight ends already um, in Irv Smith and Hollister, but maybe you just go Cook and no quarterback. So um, they're both expensive uh, in terms of Cook and Wilson. I probably just get to one of them in most of my lineups. Next up, Tyler Lockett. He's probably going to see a lot of um, Alexander in the slot, who's been pretty solid, only 2.3 receptions and 30.5 yards per game. The yards per game is a little bit high for a slot cornerback, uh, but not terrible over through eight games. Lockett's seeing about 7.1 targets per game. He is a primetime player. The guy just shows up on primetime, similar to guys like Devontae Adams, similar to the guy who just stands out the most for me um, is DeAndre Hopkins, just always shows up on primetime. 
Um, I think uh, Gilmore obviously is, is like an example, bad example last night, but uh, nobody's really going to beat Stefan Gilmore all that much. Um, so yeah, I think that Lockett's not a priority due to the price point. I'd rather have Stefan Diggs, but he's surely in play. I'm going to have a good amount. Uh, Chris Carson at 8,400. Look, he was benched after having his seventh and eighth, picking up his seventh and eighth fumble last week. But Seattle already said he's their guy, that his role is not going to change, that Rashad Penny's still going to get carries as he has been. But Chris Carson is the guy. So I take that as his 20-plus opportunities per game is surely in reach this week as a home three-point favorite. Minnesota is seventh in rush defense. Not great, but Carson has been shown to be able to beat tough rush defenses, has had over 100 yards against Tampa Bay, the only running back this year to do that. Uh, neutral run blocking script for him here. Yeah, Chris Carson at 8,400, I do like. And while we're on the Carson subject, I have no interest in Rashad Penny at 5,400. I get it. He had 14 carries for a buck 29 last week, but 45% of his yardage came on a 158-yard carry run that ends in a touchdown, I believe. So Penny getting increased run. He probably saw an extra six to eight carries in that game because of Carson's fumbling issues in the second half. I think more times than not in this game, if Carson is indeed, like they have said, going to still be their guy and get his normal role, well, then what do you get? Six to eight carries out of um, Rashad Penny. So he's priced up by like $3,000. It's just not worth it, in my opinion. No interest there. Josh Gordon at 4,400. He's likely to see Trey Waynes when Seattle actually goes through wide receiver sets, but it seems like Seattle is content also giving Malik Turner and David Moore still 25% of the snaps each. Maybe that continues to come down. Uh, the issue with Gordon is he ran 22 routes in his first game activated, then 14 last week. He's just not going to get on the field a ton. Seattle, as a three-point home favorite, if this goes as planned, they might just lean run heavy. And when they do that, they run a lot of two wide receiver sets, lock it on the outside and DK Metcalf on the outside. Lockett and DK Metcalf don't come off the field. They each play like 95 to 100% of the snaps, especially Metcalf. These guys just don't come off the field. So you're only going to have Josh Gordon being out there for in like a good script if they stay neutral or only get behind like a touchdown, like 50% of the time at best, but they're also still giving Malik Turner and David Moore snaps. So like you're going to still see him only getting 40% of the snaps, 30, 40%. That's not great. Now he's only priced like a kicker, 4,400. So even if he's only running, I don't know, 20 routes in this game, there's still upside there for a guy like Gordon. Um, around the red zone is a concern with Hollister seeing a lot of red zone targets and Lockett and Metcalf. So it's not like other teams where Gordon is the primary option. On some plays, he might be the second or third option, if not, like, at best, the third option. So, yeah, Gordon's not really a priority for me. He's probably the lower end of my interest just because last time out, they ran five wide receivers, like, through their rotation. And they pretty much split up the wide receiver three snaps with more Malik Turner and Gordon. Gordon ran 14 routes. Moore and Turner each ran eight. So that's not really that uh, reassuring. Uh, Maybe he gets a little bit more as he continues to learn this offense, his third game now. Uh, Not a priority play by any means. Next up are both kickers. I have right here. Kickers are fine as usual, as I say. Kickers are fine to roster in all formats. I'd recommend using that using at most one in your lineups. So that means you don't have to roster any, but at most one, don't roster two because I think it uh, capture upside Dan Bailey and Jason Myers. The two kickers, 4,000 for Bailey, 3,800 for Myers. Don't have a strong take on either of them. They each have been pretty much around the same type of player. They each have similar field goal props for tomorrow night. I I imagine Jason Myers is the guy that I go to just because he's cheaper in most lineups. Lastly, $2,600, Busy Johnson. So, look, I don't really like Busy Johnson because when they play two wide receiver sets, which they'll do a lot because... um, you get two wide receiver sets when you do two, two tight end sets. You're just going to have a lot of Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph on the field. So it's going to leave to Busy Johnson on the outside. Again, no Adam Thielen. And then on the other outside, you're going to have Stefan Diggs. We already talked about how Diggs is probably going to avoid Shaq Griffin and go to Trey Flowers' side of the field, which leaves Busy Johnson on Shaq Griffin, who's been Seattle's top cornerback and a really solid cornerback this year. So that's not great for Busy Johnson. 
Now he'll move into the slot, and you'll have the Quan Treadwell on the outside against Griffin. When they go three wide receiver sets for like 30% of this game, they rarely do it. So that's where you'll get some upside from him. I do think Griffin this year, 32 receptions, 419 yards, and a touchdown allowed. I do think that Busy Johnson's price tag of 2600 is surely too cheap. He's probably going to run somewhere around 25 to 30 routes in this game, and that's just too cheap for a starting wide receiver who will have slot usage when indeed they do go three wide receiver sets. So 2,600 is surely in play. Not a priority, but definitely in play for me. Already talked about no interest in Kyle Rudolph for Penny. No interest in the Vikings against Seattle. Um, so far this season, that Seattle ranks uh, fifth in overall turnover margin at plus nine. Only three interceptions on the season for Wilson. Just not a lot of upside there, even though they have a nice pass rush advantage against Seattle's offensive line. See, and then for Seahawks defense, no real interest here. Minnesota ranks 10th in the turnover margin at plus four. Cousins has only three interceptions this year. And Seattle's in a five-way tie with 10 interceptions on the season, which pretty much means they're average. The five-way tie ranks between the 11th and 16th place. So, nope major interest in defenses if i was to pick one it would be $3,200 seattle at home against cousins who has been prone to blowing up on prime time alexander madison steep price 2200 for like six carries here and maybe 20 to 30 yards i don't really like the upside you're banking on a red zone touchdown and i'd rather just not bet my money on that malik turner and david moore touched on them earlier they've uh, malik turner 27 routes in the two games since josh gordon has been activated david moore 19 routes but both only ran eight routes each last week playing about a quarter of the snaps just not worth it like if even if they were 200 dollars, not worth it for eight routes run a game lacron treadwell he's going to be the wide receiver three once again he'll only step on the field though for wide receiver three or three wide receiver sets which which again will move busy johnson into the slot but when he does that he's going to see shaq griffin so last week he only ran 20 routes most weeks he's well, most weeks he's only going to run like 15 to 20 routes and primarily seeing shaq griffin because again stefan diggs will just try and avoid him and go see trey flowers on the right side of the field and that's it. Those are all the players. The other guys are like $200 price players who see like eight snaps a week, like Amir Abdullah, Tyler Conklin. Uh, not much interest there, blocking tight ends in Conklin. So um, swoops. Yeah, I, I think primarily there's like only 21 players actually in play on this slate. And I have right now interest in 13 of them. If you were to enter 150, yeah, I'd throw the Seattle Seahawks defense into the mix there. You can throw the Vikings just in case there's some sort of punt return or something, a variance there at a cheap price point. I probably still don't put in Penny. Uh, the, the upside in Penny is if Carson fumbles again, right? If Carson fumbles early, he's probably getting benched. So that's your upside in Penny, um, but I probably don't go there. Kyle Rudolph's price point, he would have to score another two touchdown game for me to get there. There's just really not a lot. I would probably keep the same 13 players that I have right now interest in, and then I would add um, the Vikings or Seattle defense. So that's it for me right now on the showdown slate. Please do hit the subscribe button before you go. You can check out my exclusive content linked up down below, as well as my social media accounts, uh, five-star rate and review on the audio version. If you five-star rate and review the audio version this week, uh, and you just leave your Twitter handle, I will pick one person at the end of the week come um, Friday for a $20 giveaway, PayPal giveaway. So check that out if you're interested on the YouTube channel. If you're interested, be sure to hit the subscribe button on YouTube. And then also head over, link down below to the audio version where you can enter that contest. Just leave a five-star rate and review, something nice about the show, enter it into a raffle for $20 come Friday. And usually only like five people do it a week. So you got a really good chance. So thank you so much. Once again, my name is Sal. Appreciate you tuning in. Peace out, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.